We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Drafting a $35 sit and go at the FFPC. That's what we're talking about today on Stealing Bananas. We're going to chop up this pod and do a couple different pieces to cover next week because I'm going to be on vacation next week. I'm Ben Gretsch. You can find my Substack at bengretsch.substack.com. With me, as always, is Sean Siegel. You can find all of his great work at Rotoviz. First of all, before we start, I want to say a huge thank you to everyone who jumped in to draft with us. There wasn't a ton of interest. I sent out a couple tweets and um, threw some comments in our uh in the ship chasing discord our buddies pete overzet and pat corain over at ship chasing got got a few ship chasers in here got a few people off twitter that i know are listening that sounded excited to jump in with us so thank you to the 11 of you who drafted with us sean we got the 110 that's the rule for stealing bananas we are not allowed to pick outside of the final third of the draft how you doing Draft's about to start here. We're going to be 30-second clock. It's going to go pretty quick. How you doing? What are you thinking for this first turn at 110 and 203? I'm excited, right? And again, thank you to everybody who joined. This is going to be a dry run for us as we embark on a variety of FFPC tournament teams over the coming months, both the Never Too Early and the regular tournament. Very excited for that. Uh, yeah, Ben, we do have the 10th pick, and I have to say, it does seem like you are the jinx. Uh, this is going to seem crazy, but almost every draft I have done so far this season, I had the first or the second pick. <laughs> I do a draft with you, and we're right back to number 10. That sounds exactly right. I mean, we, we've we chronicled here how you and I, last draft season, did uh, a main event every day in the same time slot, three days in a row trying to get something outside of that final third and then the fourth that you already had one scheduled in the same time slot again with Blair and you guys got the 101 <laughs> the next day after our three drafts um sounds about right so it was the inverse this time though you had all the early picks prior I join in we'll start at 10 right. feels like a zero RB draft doesn't it it does it does we have a lot of fun people in this draft Hassan of Rotoviz fame joined us and got the number one pick. And but I mean, our, our guys are going to be gone here before we get to the 10th pick. We're not going to get any of these extremely fun wide receivers. We expect this to be a wide receiver heavy draft, 
based on the audience and we might have to pivot a little bit. It's kind of fun to go in a different direction, to be forced into a different direction. Now, when Colum and I drafted against our audience last year, we dominated all of our drafts all season long, except for the listener leagues getting pushed off of, well, I mean, it's our strategy, but it's also the dominant strategy that tends to, you know, give you some potential issues, but I think this should be a lot of fun. So I guess my first question for you would be, where are you on Devonte Adams and Tyreek Hill in terms of the one, two turn? I think there's the potential that in some leagues they're being overly discounted. I mean, these guys are still superstars. I'm, I'm struggling with them because I do think they're clearly in a tier behind Chase Jefferson and cup right now where we stand. And all three of them went one oh Chase Jefferson Cup in that order, 103, 104, 105 in this draft. This is tight end premium. Travis Kelsey went 106. As you mentioned, especially with some of these ship chasing guys, um, this is going to be a very wide receiver heavy draft. So that'll be fun to see sort of how we navigate a draft that now has Kyle Pitts going 107. There's only been the two running backs as our pick is approaching. I do think there's a pretty big tier drop at receiver after those top three. Adams and Hill feel like the logical next ones. I think AJ Brown is in that discussion. I think Stefan Diggs is still, and then certainly Debo Samuel. And, and Stefan Diggs, I think, is, I think I mentioned on the show in the last couple of weeks that I think he's going to be a little bit undervalued this year because he had his really big Buffalo season in 2020. Then he had a bad season in 2021. I feel like we saw the good and the bad and, and probably the reality somewhere in the middle in that really good offense. Uh, I'm not particularly concerned about him not being like, like being really bad or anything going really sour for Diggs. And so I think Diggs might be a little bit of a value this year. Eckler and Adams went right before us. So Hill is still there, but yeah, the other receivers, I think I would strongly consider are Debo Brown and Diggs. What are you thinking? So we know we're not going to take Derek Henry. You're off. I'm also assuming of Najee Harris. We could look at Javante Williams. Uh, Diggs maybe the fun pick here. See if Debo gets back around. Let's go that direction. And I mentioned that it was fun. We had John Daigle on overtime this week, and he made the case for Stephon Diggs as the 101. Ben. Oh, now I know that. I mean, I didn't know we were going to run into people who were more excited about the second coming of Antonio Brown than we were, but that's, that's pretty enthusiastic. That is more enthusiastic than, than I was just a minute ago. And I did not expect that there was someone else out there that, that was that, that enthusiastic. So props to Daigle for vaulting me on that take. That's a, that's a good one. I, I don't know if I can get to Diggs one hundred and one, especially when his ADP right now, if you have the one one Gives you a reasonable shot to get him at the two three turn because he's going at about pick twenty on average. Yeah, and I don't think Daigle's obviously taking him one on one, but I, I think that's a, a fun take, and I like that we just took him right behind us. Mark Andrews, Derek Henry, and Najee Harris go. I think Harris would have been an interesting pick there, just in, in best ball, knowing the workload, all of those elements, we would have got a nice little value. But this is going to be a room when you run into these types of rooms. Where you don't want to be, you don't want to miss out on the receivers is what can end up happening. We're back on the clock here. We only have 30 seconds. Tyreek's still there, Sean. I'd be I'd be open to taking him for sure, or Debo or AJ Brown. 
You know, one of the things here that might be interesting would be see where Tyreek goes and, you know, as we interact later, what the outlook is for the person who drafts him. I think Debo is really a, a pretty clear-cut pick at this point from the perspective of, I mean, we, we just think everything is going to be wiped out before we get back to our pick in the third round, which is one of the reasons why we are willing to pass on Javante Williams. We talked about the big Javante Williams trade on the Wednesday show. We still do like him. A chance for him to get hit a little bit in redraft if Melvin Gordon ends up there. The other thing that would have been interesting would have been to go with a George Kettle. We talk all the time about how important, how extremely valuable those tight ends are, what they do in terms of supercharging your win rate if you get them and then how far you're playing from behind if you don't the one big sort of exploitable opportunity early in draft season i really felt was that fant albert o situation that's resolved itself and we no longer get the huge discount on albert still an interesting guy i, mean, I think you can definitely take him at adp and it'd be a big winner every once in a while i like to slide in that i'm still much higher on him than what the price suggests but then, uh, the guy that I, I think is just ha- has a chance to be the key player in 2022 when you look at tight end prices and tight end importance and the way these drafts are currently playing out, where once Debo and Tyreek Hill are gone, I mean, yeah, you have A.J. Brown, still a stud. You have T. Higgins. You have C.D. Lamb. But, I mean, you're not going to be able to get those guys necessarily even at the end of round two. You're not necessarily going to be able to get them in round three. Certainly, you're not going to be able to continue to build a deep wide receiver lineup there. So if you have a tight end that you can get in round three or round four who has a chance to compete with the rest of this group, then I don't know. I I just expect to end up with a massive exposure to Hawkinson. Am I on the right path there? We saw him look good last season. I think that Jared Goff is fine for him. <laughs> Obviously, it's not ideal. They do have the possibility of getting a rookie QB, which is a real wild card. You get someone solid, you could have an even more conservative offense, or, or you could have a disaster, <laughs> like a Zach Wilson type of season. How much of that plays in? And then Hawkinson has had trouble staying healthy as well. No, I think that's a great thought. Uh, we, we know we want to go early tight end here. Sorry, I'm distracted. We we got our buddy Hassan Rahim in Rotaviz writer, podcaster, awesome dude extraordinaire, and he wrote in the chat. I have a fear that CMC will drown before the season starts, but that's out of my control. In the <laughs> ship chasing chat, there's a follow up uh, about the futures odds on CMC falling down a bottomless pit or being hypnotized into thinking he's a chicken. I'm distracted, Sean. I'm distracted by these CMC comments that are, uh, you know, Hassan always has a good random one-liner. He always cracks me up. But I do think getting a tight end here makes sense. You were more asking specifically about my take on Hawkinson. I think there's plenty of reason to buy back in for the reasons that you said. I, I do think you're on the right path there. I I was more interested. We're on a 30-second clock. Sean's going to be making the final decisions here because we're going to have to make sure we get our picks in under the clock. And this is our first draft of the year together. I was more interested in, I think Diggs Debo was a great start. I think I would have taken AJ Brown in one of those spots. I'm not sure where, but I have him right there with those guys and perhaps above. 
I was more interested in what led you to land on Diggs and Debo and have such disrespect for AJ Brown. You have to answer for now. AJ <laughs> <laughs> Brown is going to have like three 40 point games. So that in and of itself, especially how we know these best ball formats work and what's important. Now you mentioned the distraction. We have Hawkinson go at the 303. So that has has got me off my game a little bit here. Then things got so dark with, with Christian McCaffrey, and then they stay dark with, with Hawkinson going. You mentioned the receivers. Just to kind of update everyone, Tyreek Hill goes at the 204, CeeDee Lamb at the 205. That's another play that I would like to get more of. I guess we're kind of in that spot where it felt like the Diggs-Debo start was the way to play it. You mentioned it's the first draft we were doing together. We've got to develop our 2022 synergy that brain meld we've done a lot of drafts separately and obviously we podcasted a lot together but you know again drafting out of the the 10 spot here we've got to get it figured since we know that's going to be our spot so i think the next three times we have and an important caveat to that brain meld is i'm already on vacation time in about 12 hours i leave for my vacation so uh ben had a (laughs) hamburger today i I get the impression he's lost like 30 pounds. I think he probably only had 10 to lose. So <laughs> if anybody yeah. noticed anything odd about Ben over the last couple of days, he has lost too much weight, but he's getting ready to go back on vacation. He had a hamburger today. He said it's gotten him a little funny. A little loopy. I did the, the ketosis diet for the last month. I haven't had a sip of alcohol. haven't had any carbs really at all for a month, which is uh, always a fun kind of test of willpower, but had to break out of it before the vacation so that yeah i mean it's interesting to come out of ketosis and then have a hamburger it is it's it's an interesting it's a little bit like you're high frankly <laughs> this has been an interesting start to our draft uh, our, we're back on the clock what are you thinking here we have 25 seconds and as we mentioned all the wide receivers are gone I, then it's time to to move to those rookie running backs and take Brees hall right and we know yeah. that in a month he's going to be a late or an early second round pick Let's do it. I love it. Couldn't agree more. So we start Diggs, Debo, Hall. Just to update people a little bit, the other backs that were gone were McCaffrey, Taylor, Eckler, Henry, Harris, Javante, Mixon, Swift, Dalvin Cook, Saquon, and Kamara had all gone. On the top of the board was guys like Nick Chubb, Antonio Gibson, Aaron Jones, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins. Sean quickly jumps to Brees Hall. I am all for that. I love that. We think he has, you said on the show a couple of weeks ago that that combine performance took him from looking like sort of a David Montgomery type player to in this class athletically where he looks almost like an Adrian Peterson type. He does. And he he brings up some of those comps in the NFL combine explorer on the site. Now, again, we want to emphasize that an athletic comp is not necessarily a true comp, but Brees Hall, a fantastic collegiate performer. He's got some good highlight yardage. He's got the breakaway runs. If you've read De- Dave's article in the Road of His Rookie Guide, then we are back up. Nick Chubb, who has a second round ADP, is still there. He's really trying to get us to take him. A couple other guys I know you like, Antonio Gibson. Uh, I was going to say Aaron Jones, but he just went. And so did J.K. I'm fine with Chubb. My pick. Who who do you like here? Let's do Chubb. Let's, you know, it's not like our favorite pick, but let's take him. Basically, because it is a best ball draft, the opportunity to get 
Chubb, who we know is an efficient player. The workload is never typically what we want. But Chubb in the fourth round with his efficiency and his explosiveness gets really appealing to me. because I mean, I I don't like taking Nick Chubb in the second round, but I'm very comfortable taking him in the fourth round, especially in best ball where I'm more comfortable taking early running backs to get that sort of anchor element to your your roster. It limits what you have to do overall. And, and, and especially early in the off season, I mean, we're, we're pre-draft still. So I think that does make the later rounds a little trickier to navigate. Although I do have the zero RB champion as my, as my co-manager here. So I'm sure you'll have some great names for us to target, but I do find it a little more tricky with some of these backfields still unsettled and not knowing where the rookies are going to land to pick out the late round running backs so getting Hall and Chubb feels like a really nice pairing to start our running back build. And now we can just ignore them until, I don't know, the last round. So then we've taken an upside down start here. We've got a couple of, of backs in the dead zone, uh, but it sounds like you're excited. And and frankly, Nick Chubb is not really not dead zone backs. Back, right? the second round back. So yeah, right. They're just clearly not dead zone backs. Both of these guys, you mentioned when we took Hall, is probably going to have a second round ADP. Chubb is going to have a second round ADP. If you can take non-dead zone backs in the dead zone, that's fine. And you had mentioned Chubb, the best pure runner in football. When you check out the advanced stats tool, you always see that he has these crazy numbers in terms of broken tackles, tackles evaded, um, the overall evasion rate. It's kind of crazy when you think about just how strong the Browns are, that trio. At different points in the season in the Zero RB Watch article, I point out the group of backs that was over two before contact, over two and a half or three after contact. You're looking at the Cleveland Browns. So we know that one of the things that Chubb has to deal with is number one, not catching the passes. Number two, Kareem Hunt. But just the pure talent there. And we talk about buying talent and letting the volume kind of work itself out. There's a possibility this Cleveland offense could be different next season. You know, we're, we're not overly betting on that, but there could be some exciting elements. And when you look at the chances or the potential for a player to go out and score, you know, 20, 25 touchdowns if the offense were improved for whatever reason, I mean, Nick Chubb is going to be the, one of the first names that comes to mind. Absolutely. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You kind of hit it when you said betting on talent. A lot of people want us to talk more about running backs. Some, we get that feedback sometimes. This is a great example of when you get into a, a draft that ends up being a little bit more receiver heavy. There's been uh, six tight ends off the board before even the middle of the third round. When we get here at the 3-4 turn and we're in a range where we're looking at some running backs that have real talent and the opportunity cost is a little bit of a different equation it's an interesting sort of thought experiment about when we would be comfortable taking backs. I think this was a no brainer to, to get these two guys and I'm with you entirely on it. There were some good receivers there. I am still concerned that we'll get boxed out of receivers. A lot of these drafts are going to be receiver heavy. Again, these are people who tend to think and draft like us that we're in this room with, and we have to be aware of that we probably want to be chasing receiver on our next couple of picks here or potentially tight end, depending what we see, but getting these backs in this spot, I do think, makes a ton of sense. And, and yeah, this sort of test that I was mentioning, the ones that we're willing to pull the trigger on typically are going to be the ones that are look like they have a, a lot of talent upside as opposed to the ones that don't make a lot of sense in the dead zone tend to be the ones that are elevated just by this projected role and touch volume and all of these things that never actually pan out in a chaotic NFL season. Again, this whole concept of anti-fragility, right? And so Chubb, we know, has a huge floor. He's going to be a part of his offense, touch floor, part of his offense. And they're probably still past to Nick Chubb having a bigger role at some point in his career. It has not happened, and I wouldn't expect it to happen. But we do know that he's going to get a certain number of touches regardless. Likely will be very efficient on those based on the numbers that you said, the, the advanced metrics. Yeah, we're a couple of picks away. You mentioned that we probably would need to pivot back to wide receiver. The one other back that I think we would have considered, uh, even with our last pick, was Travis Etienne. We did not grab him, but he's somebody else we kind of like in that range. He is long gone at this point. Amon Ra, the top wide receiver on the board, Darnell Mooney, Hunter Renfro. We like Renfro, but perhaps he would drop you know, quite a bit with Devontae Adams being dropped in there on top of him. Marquise Brown, somebody I think, especially in a wide receiver heavy draft, is interesting. You know, you can overemphasize the vertical threats in best ball. We've got some cool articles up on the site. Uh, Michael Dubner, functional fantasy points, and how you can actually lose your way by trying to go after some of those spike weeks. But I think I think he's still an interesting player, even with the potential for them to go run heavy again, even with the potential for a shot Bateman to end up as the number one as soon as this season. Uh, Kadarius Tony, somebody who is also kind of sneaking in here. And again, we're gonna have to look at some of these guys above ADP. Ben, we got 20 seconds. Who do you like? I, I, the, the, I'm good with the receivers you mentioned. The name that I'm also looking at is Dalton Schultz. I think he has a really interesting, the, the moves Dallas made at wide receiver, I think has something to do with him, but I'll let you decide whether it's the right time to pull the trigger on tight end. Let's go with Schultz there. I, I wasn't necessarily a huge fan of some of the peripheral pieces that siphoned volume last year. I think it's great news for both Lamb and Schultz that they have made the offseason decisions that they've made. Uh, but another interesting name here that, you know, again, with the room and with the drop, 
we talked a little bit about some of these guys. They get to a point where it, the EP numbers and maybe the talent kind of creeping into that range or verification of it in the range where you might consider someone. David Montgomery is here at the 603. Another running back? <laughs> no, I mean, I think we could do that, but I kind of want to take one of the receivers that you mentioned. But it wouldn't, it wouldn't be bad for our roster to have another running back here. It just would mean we could hit receiver even heavier. Well, I was on Tony there, but then I switched it back as you were talking because there are some things that I would like to at least explore late in this draft. One of the things about doing some of these early drafts, especially with such a fun group, is that you know we can experiment a little bit. Then there are a lot of rookie wide receivers that I'm seeing at what I think are crazy prices. Now, I think our audience is is onto that and they may scoop a lot of those guys up in that same range. So it might not be what you can get in some other drafts here, but I think with the potential for being so rookie wide receiver heavy late, I wanted to go ahead and make the Montgomery pick. And again, one of the things that that I do like to do in some of these drafts, and we did do a robust running back draft in the FFPC main event last year, uh, in part to demonstrate how we would do it if and when we go that direction and to show that if a draft falls in the right way, we're willing to do that. Now, not surprisingly, because you are actually stacking the deck against yourself when you start with three running backs. Uh, that team did not win. We suffered running back injuries the way you tend to do, and it didn't make it through. But I do like to have a few of these teams that are not exactly the way we usually play. I think it's important to have some other drafts kind of in your bag so you could compare and contrast. And if there is something to learn, that you learn it. It's and not something that there necessarily is, but but we need to know that. We need to play it some. Yeah, and, and something that we talked about a lot already this year is with the way that ADP is looking, it might make sense to draft some running backs in the dead zone. So this is officially our – we took running backs in rounds three, four, and six. The running back heavy through the running back dead zone draft, Montgomery – I think you could tell I wasn't super, super excited about sort of the anti point of, of the point that I was just making where I don't know that I feel super confident about his efficiency and he is sort of a bet on volume. It's fine. I think he's a fine pick to make in a couple spots. Obviously I have some optimism for Justin Fields and the bears offense. Cause I've, I was going to say, Ben, this is a, this is a bet on your guy. This is a bet on Justin Fields and, and Chicago being good. And that's fine. I don't anticipate he's going to throw to the to the backs a ton because he's going to be running for 2,000 yards and also throwing 60-yard bombs all the time. So it's going to make it challenging on Montgomery to catch a lot of passes. But, uh, oh, Kenneth Walker goes here later in this round. That's an interesting one. He's been rising on some people's boards, had a really good combine. A lot of talk about his uh, lack of receptions, but that he had a good receiving profile in high school. I saw someone, one of the national guys tweet out that they had got their hands on some Michigan State practice tape and were impressed with his uh, receiving chops on, you know, film, on, on practice film. Where are you at on Walker? Is, in, maybe in hindsight, is Walker somebody that you would consider over Montgomery? Or what is the kind of bull case for Montgomery? Because I'm kind of making a bear case. Yeah, no, I think he has EP numbers in that range where you have to consider him at that price. I think that he's demonstrated that he's, you know, at the similar type of level 
as a runner, if not a superior level to a Najee Harris, you're going to get the broken tackles. You're occasionally going to get some decent plays. I think that if the offense improves, even if you lose some of the receptions with that mobile quarterback, you are going to get more touchdowns or the potential for touchdowns and or the potential for touchdowns in bunches, which again, in this format would help us. The other thing I would just mention here is Kyler Murray is actually the player I, I would have wanted in the last round, but we overlooked QB as we're doing some of these other things. You mentioned Walker and that receiving profile. I'm very optimistic. He matched to Ray Rice in the Combine Explorer and Rice, another player who the receiving portion of his game really emerged at the NFL level. I think the only guys who have that type of athletic profile who you wouldn't be excited about are players who have demonstrated just so conclusively that their hands are terrible or their intuitiveness. And it'd be difficult to demonstrate this without opportunities, but just was so poor in the receiving game. I mean, somebody who was a fantastic athlete, but didn't maybe have the lateral agility that matched the rest of his athleticism and just never really got it despite being a superstar was Adrian Peterson, right? I mean, teams always wanted to involve him more in the receiving game. And then they would throw him a few passes. and They're like, nope, uh, we're going to hand him the ball. So uh, I like Walker there. I think he's going to actually land in a spot where the opportunity is even better than people are saying. We took Hall in round three. Walker in round six is a great value. Then a couple of cool names off the board after that. Juju immediately following him. Joe Burrow, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Brandon Ayuk, who I had added to our queue. Rondell Moore, whom he made the very bull argument for on Wednesday's pod, and I agree with completely. Then Tony is still there. Our buddy Hassan took both Burrow and Wilson. He had started McCaffrey, Waddle, Higgins, Judy Sutton. So he gets the Burrow Higgins. He gets the Wilson, Judy Sutton. Closes two stacks there and has McCaffrey and Waddle at the top of that roster. He's, he has a really nice start there. Yeah. I, T Higgins, someone going to be very expensive, but I think you want to get him onto as many teams as you can. You mentioned AJ Brown. I mentioned CD lamb, but again, it's kind of this thing of, do you want to draft in the range where the players are going and get your exposure where you can, or do you want to build some of these unique teams by going against that, which we talked about, with Peter Overzet when he was on the show. If anybody has missed that episode, make sure you check that out. Pete, absolutely fantastic in so many different areas of fantasy. Then we are now one pick away. Uh, what are you feeling here? A couple of the exciting rookies. Oh, Tony went one spot before us. Yeah. Let's go Garrett Wilson, I think, right? Yeah. I, I mean, it's not as huge of a discount as potentially you'll get in some drafts but a month and a half from now he's going to be much more expensive than this if we can get him in a wide receiver heavy draft burks is already off the board 37 receivers off the board i like him at wide receiver 38 when we adjust for the type of draft that we're in right now i do as well hunter renfro still available again there are going to be some current centers about upside but i do think that you can get some of these possession receivers at great prices in best ball, one of the things that we saw from Renfro last year was that he would get some of his big games in bunches. We've seen that kind of thing from Cole Beasley. You look at Tyler Boyd, who we'll be considering later, and the issue that Boyd has is not that he's not very, very good, but he's got those two guys in front of him. Well, with the scorched earth offense that we're at least hoping for from the Cincinnati Bengals next season, we got a little bit of a taste of it. But I mean, Ben, it, it is weird, right? That they went to the Super Bowl and, and still didn't really give us what we what we were expecting or hoping for there. But Boyd's numbers are going to come 
at least in part because he has some games where he finds the end zone. Maybe he finds the end zone twice. Renfro goes off. We can go back to back with the rookies and take Drake London, a couple of veterans who I think we're probably not as excited about in Thielen and Lockett are still available. Yeah, my my pool is London, it's potentially Rashad Bateman, uh, and I really like the Boyd call. If you want to make that call, uh, I, I think Boyd's going to be another fantastic value this year. No, it's just like it feels a little early for him, but I'm never, I'm never against drafting Tyler Boyd. That all the arguments are still there, right? The contingency based upside, the offense is going to be fantastic. It's going to be improved. They managed to to build up the offensive line even more. Boyd's going to have a really nice season high floor and then potentially a high ceiling if something were to happen to chase or higgins and so i i think he is a really nice pick hopefully he can get back to us we did go with london there i i, I love that i love going wilson and london getting two of the top three pretty consensus clear top three rookie receivers right sean yes you see both of those guys mocked in the top 15 by some of the very connected experts i i don't know that they will necessarily go there they're very different receivers and yet they both have the type of profile in their own way that could fit seamlessly into an nfl offense right away london obviously the guy who has that height and explosive athleticism to where he should just be a red zone dynamo right away so we talk about the freak sport from time to time we talk about frank's you know, very early research about height and red zone touchdown rate. We want to get some of those scores, again, potential for scores in bunches. We don't want to overdraft that, but we think that these prices, again, are going to be more expensive after the NFL draft, especially if both of them go in the top 15. But then if they fall, I mean, one of the things I think you have to like about these players, they're not necessarily superstars, but if you check out Travis's work in the road of this rookie guide, you see that some of the flaws are balanced with upside also right there in the middle of their careers they have to deal with the pandemic and the fact that they are nice prospects if you go in the top 15 you know you have that volume-based thesis if you fall a little bit i wouldn't expect either of these guys to get to the chiefs maybe there's the potential they get to the packers they're going to be some rookie wide receivers yeah who have immense volume there's some great quarterbacks to be tied to as well that are interested uh team their teams are interested in wide receivers. So it's, it's going to be a good year for landing spots. So Sean through eight rounds, let's, let's sort of recalibrate our roster for the listeners is Stefan Diggs, Debo Samuel, Brees Hall, Nick Chubb, Dalton Schultz, David Montgomery, Garrett Wilson, Drake London. We have three rookies, Hall, Wilson, and London. We have four receivers, three backs and Schultz as our tight end. We don't have a quarterback yet. Uh, I was kind of looking at Josh Allen. He went at, at the 3-4 turn between our Brees Hall and Nick Chubb picks because uh, we do have digs. We could potentially be in the market to take a stab at Trey Lance, although there's some concern about whether he'll be the starter. But we do have Debo. Our other two receivers aren't on teams yet. Dalton Schultz is quarterback. Dak Prescott is off the board. There has been 12 quarterbacks that have gone and Lance has left. So we might get in a situation where he looks like a reasonable bet at a certain point along with the Debo bet. Well, Ben, that will do it for today's episode of Stealing Bananas. We are not quite halfway through a frantic, I should say fast and furious and ridiculously fun 
sit and go draft in the FFPC $35 slim format. You and I are now officially on team dead zone running back. We've got a couple of those rookie wide receivers that we like. We'll be back in the next episode to see if we can redeem those running back selections. But for today, I'm Sean Siegel. With me, as always, is Ben Gretchen. You can follow at Yards Per Gretchen. Make sure you subscribe to Stealing Signals. Uh, ben teases it on a future episode, but he's got some really cool draft prospect research coming for you. You can use the coupon code RDRadio2022 at checkout to get a 10% discount to Rotoviz. Subscribe to the pod. Leave us a rating and review. We really appreciate that. Uh, jump back in in a couple days. We'll have the rest of the draft for you find out who was the best was it the draft out of the 103 that is off to the fastest heart in the history of best ball <laughs>